Welcome to Rugged Theology, a Mile One Mission podcast where we talk theology, church planting, and drink coffee. Uh, welcome to Rugged Theology. Uh, this episode, we're going to be discussing the question of preaching and why do we preach the way we do at uh, Calvary and through the Mile One Mission Network. So uh, my name is Steve Daw. I'm the Director of Education for Mile One Mission and an elder at Calvary Baptist Church. Yeah, my name is Steve Bray, the other Steve, I guess. I have the privilege of being the lead elder at Calvary Baptist Church and the Executive Director of Mile One Mission. My name is Curtis Rogers, and I am a summer intern here at Mile One Mission. And my name is David Drover. I am a just normal intern at Mile One Mission. Okay, and so first and foremost, the biggest question that I'm going to have to ask is, first of all, so that people know where we're coming from, how do we preach? Why do, or what does it mean when we say that Calvary preaches exegetically? Well, I guess... It's even bigger than that. I guess the, I'll start off with the $50 theological words, and I'll let everybody else uh, interpret for me. But as a rule, we believe at Calvary Baptist and at Mile One Mission that we actually are not just expositional preachers, but we're exegetical expositional preaching, which means that we believe that the Word of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is the inspired and errant Word of God, and we should preach it carefully, systematically, um, and honestly. And the idea of exegetical means the, the, the whole etymology of the word is that we're going to take from the Bible what it says and declare that to other people. Um, one of the key differences, people might think, well, how does that sound anything different than every other church? Well, is because many churches today are focused on what we would call topical preaching, or tragically, and even more dangerous, would be what we would call eisegesis, which is, I'm going to read into the text my world or my views, and we don't think that that is right because the Bible for us is our final rule of authority and where we take our, our cues from. So, uh, But the beauty of it is, uh, you know, for, for now that I've said all these technical things, uh, the absolute beauty of it is that when you preach the Bible, the Bible itself stands so wonderfully on its own. It is applicable to men, women, all ages, all races, all social standings, and um, just gives us a real beautiful picture of God because it's the Word of God by which He uh, displays Himself. Exactly. And that's uh, those are a lot of really good words. But So guys, do you have anything that you'd add to that for I mean, Steve, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head there. Um, the only thing I'd add just for viewers who might not know Calvary is typically what we do is we have each of us are preaching through individual books of the Bible. Um, so what we mean by that is we start basically, we pick a book, we start at verse 1, and then preach till we get to the end. And, well, that idea of the whole Bible is God's Word, and we want to teach that, we want to preach that to people because it's applicable, because it is what God says. Um, we, we do that part of the way we practically play that out is that we have everybody doing different books of the bible so there's a wide range of what is being taught we have steve Dow who's doing minor prophets steve bray is doing the gospel of john i'm doing first john matt's doing james paul's doing joshua 
etc etc so um just a wide range of of biblical yeah material yeah yeah and uh just to accent what uh steve was saying too uh the reason that we preach through books of the bible is because the context of each individual book is going to be very important for what i say so when i'm preaching on hosea 3 it's important that i've already gone through hosea's one and two Mm-hmm. So that you know where I'm, where where things are coming from, where we were, are in the story, and so that you can understand a little bit better. Now, uh, I have to admit, part of it is also I love it also because it makes things a little easier for me in <laughs> a understanding lot what the text is. <laughs> but also makes it easier for your audience. It's not just easier for us. What we have found is that the people that come to Calvary Baptist Church know and can anticipate, and they learn about the Bible holistically. I mean, for any of our listening audience, I want people to realize the whole idea of books and chapters and verses are relatively new. That's not how the Bible was originally written. It was definitely written by different authors. I mean, I think 40 different authors, over 1,500 years, three different continents, but it tells one single story. And again, I'm going to drop a big word here. It's the meta narrative of scripture. So by preaching expositionally, exegetically, which means basically we preach systematically, the people learn one consistent message of God displaying himself, making himself known to humanity. The other reason I believe in this, and, and you know, we've got a couple of young interns with us here, Steve, is these guys will laugh and maybe some people out there. We have these, you know, little daily devotional booklets. We have these little things. I grew up in a world where my parents had this little, I don't know, ceramic loaf of bread that was on the the kitchen table, and there was these little verses in there. And I know that Dave and Curtis have both heard me say this. The danger is people today chicken McNugget their Bible. So they grab a verse and say, there's my verse. And I'll give you an example is that classic verse in Jeremiah that everybody loves to put on coffee mugs and T-shirts in the wall. You know, these are the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, and all this type of stuff. But nobody ever reads the entire chapter. And, and if they did, they'd probably be gobsmacked scared because in that whole chapter, in the context, God is actually warning Israel, judgments coming, unpleasant things are about to happen, you're not going to like them. But understand, in the midst of that, I'm still God, I will always be with you, but you need to take notice of who I am. So I believe that our style and approach to the Bible is honest, it has integrity, but more than anything, I think it actually teaches people what the Bible says. And then our people are much more free to say, well, that's just his opinion. That's just that church's view. No, this way we're far better at being consistent and honest about what the Bible actually says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a lot of things you've put in there. I mean, we've got an awful lot of packages open on the table mm-hmm. here to, to talk about. Um, I mean, first of all, when you talked about the meta narrative of Scripture, I mean, part of the reason that we believe that it's fully applicable to our lives is because, well, the Scripture is spoken out by God. And so the meta-narrative that God tells us is the actual meta-narrative of the world we live in. That's right. So when we're preaching what God's saying about the world, we're getting what we should believe is true about the world because it's the way the world was created. 
Yeah, this isn't just a book full of stories. It's reality. Yeah. And it, the, the just there is important. It is actually a book full of stories, but not just stories. Anything to add there, Curtis? Yeah, I mean, I would just add on to what everybody said, mentioning what Steve said about the importance of taking verses in their context. I mean, I think preaching this way uh, allows for just a bigger s safety net sort of to not fall into that pitfall, not fall into that trap of taking things out of context and applying what we want to apply to it and make it, I mean, that classic verse in Jeremiah, you can look at that. A lot of prosperity preachers would use that and say, hey, look, God says he's going to prosper you, give you a nice house and a jet airplane and all these things. And that that's how this, that type of horrendous theology comes about. But when you read the Bible as it was originally meant to be read, as it was originally given to its, you know, if you read the letters of Paul as they were meant to be given in the context of the churches that he was sending them to, um, that's important to understand because that's how we should apply it to our lives, not by what we want it to sound like or what it, we want it to represent. I, I love the fact that a, a guy 22 years old just said that, yeah. right? Because I think for our listening audience, you know, we've got two guys at the table that are in their mid-40s, and maybe the accusation could be, well, they've been indoctrinated, they... They're old, old fuddy-duddies, you know, they're old-fashioned. <laughs> um, but one of the reasons I'm passionate about this type of uh, approach... For the record, I am actually old-fashioned. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, I love the fact that at Calvary, a lot of our congregants are actually young men and women that are university age or young adults, young professionals, who are looking at a chaotic world with a social media megaphone and going, is there any truth? Is there any rhyme and reason to life? Why do I exist? What's my purpose? And when you take the Bible, the, we don't have to be afraid of it, ashamed, ashamed of it. And quite frankly, the Bible doesn't need me to explain it. And the beauty of exegetical preaching is the Bible, it stands for itself. Jesus Christ, the Word of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all these big aspects. So I love it. I mean, you guys are here as Dave and Curtis are young men in your 20s. Um, you've, you've done the whole university thing. You, you've been on the, you know, the cutting edge of all these things. And yet it is fascinating that, you know, I know you, but for the listening audience, um, this has not been some sort of old-fashioned brow beach over the top of a head with a Bible. This is about actual reasoning. This is about actually looking at the world, looking at the stuff that you guys deal with day in, day out, real life junk and going, man, this Bible gives me answers. Uh, again, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the king of cliches, but you know, truth is never afraid of a question. And when you properly read and preach the Bible, you will deal with all the questions that I think people have. Mm -hmm. Including a few that we would prefer not to have to deal with. Absolutely. Yes. But that's life too. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of a good thing about the Jeremiah passage that uh, was brought up there, because when you look at the Jeremiah passage, the prosperity got preachers bring you a context and an idea that honestly, most of us aren't going to own jets. Yeah. And... It's not going to be, the, most of us are going to have the case of, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills this week, or uh, even even worse in some cases. And the understanding of what, the, what that passage actually means, that despite the dis difficulties you're facing right now, even if the difficulties are of your own making, 
God has the if you are going to trust in God and place your trust in Him, mm-hmm. then things will make a lot more sense later. Uh, see our episodes on the sovereignty of God later. I'm interested too with the two young guys because I think for again I want to be cognizant of our listening audience. The our preaching style for Calvary Baptist and for Mile One also people need to understand it's actually chosen because it 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 helps protect against celebrity preachers um brainwashing it's the idea that you're not following steve or a group of guys or a group of people we teach our people this way because then they can think for themselves they go to the word of god and they can reason with it themselves and so this is not about a cult it's not about creating a cult following it's not about trying to manipulate people into our way of thinking it's to take the word of god reason it out let the word of god speak for itself we're not the hero of the preaching we are simply the messenger of the preaching and we let the people themselves hear and respond because we believe and and this is the this is the only thing and i think that's fundamentally important that our audience understand we believe that the Bible is the very word of God, and it does change lives. I don't have to. Steve doesn't have to. These guys don't have to. We believe that the Bible changes lives. And, of course, that's going to be a very important point because you used the word earlier when we talked about uh, ex- uh, exegesis. You also used the word expositional yeah. preaching. And just for the for the sake of the definition here, that means that we say what the Bible says. That's right. So that when somebody in the congregation has a Bible open in front of them, and we strongly recommend that you bring your Bible to church yeah. and open it, so that when the preacher says something, you can look down into your Bible and say, oh yeah, I can see that there, yeah. instead of it's not there. Yeah, I mean, our job when we preach is essentially to hold up this book and illuminate it to, to tell people what it says. And my, at least one of my own personal convictions when I preach is that I want to know where I want my people who are listening to be able to go home that week, open up their Bible to that passage that I'm preaching from and understand what it's saying so they can go on throughout that week, throughout that month. Um, and like we've been saying, it's applicable, it's relevant, it's true, it's reality. So we want them to apply all of that to their living. And that's, that's basically our job. Hold up this book, point them to Jesus and, and preach it. And that was a great word, too. You used the word illuminate. You didn't say that we are here to give us, to, um, you know, define it. I'm not there to help you uh, uh, rationalize away it. I'm just there to shed some light on it. Um, yeah. yeah. People don't need me or you or Curtis or Steve to make this book come to life. It already is. That's right. We just need to open it up in front of people and yeah. tell them what it says. <laughs> and what I, what I like about the two is that it, it holds us to an accountability where hmm. people have exactly their their Bibles open and looking. And what we're yep. what I'm finding writing my first sermon, what I've seen with you guys going through your sermon prep and all that stuff, is that you're constantly asking asking each other, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And sometimes you'll get a response. Where do you see this in the text? And that question is constantly being asked over and over again. Is this in the text? And what I'm about to say here actually what the text is saying? And there's just a lot of emphasis put on making sure that we're not saying something that's not actually there. Mm-hmm. That that makes all this worth it for me. Just listen to a young man say that, right? Yeah. And and the other thing, too, I, m- I might add, is that um, this is beautiful because 
the Bible does stand the test of time. And so whether it's me who is married and my children are adults and I've actually got my first couple of grandchildren and I'm dealing with life and transition, I'm classically going through my midlife and I'm being reminded more and more of the cycle of life, the brevity of life, the how fragile life is. And reading my Bible gives me hope, gives me purpose, answers my questions, teaches me how to have peace, how to trust, gives me joy, despite my circumstances, uh, gives me an eternal view of things. And yet for two young men here, um, one is newly married, one is dating. Steve, you're, you're, you know, single. And yet that book talks to each of us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Again, because of two things that's already been mentioned here. First of all, when we say that we believe that the Bible is the word of God, we mean that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. That's right. So, you know, it's it's kind of silly to imagine that, you know, I, I can't hear from God. Well, there's a Bible right in front of you. Open it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but because that's the, that we, we believe that and because we see that, it does mean that whatever it says is going to be true and applicable for God's people. Uh, maybe not in the ways we'd like it to be applicable because... Yeah. God's saying it to us. And of course, we, I, I mean, when we say that we are people of the word, when we look at the scriptures, we see that God reveals himself as having created by the power of his word, that uh, we it, that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so that's the kind of power that we're saying that the text has mm-hmm. when we exposit it to a congregation. And again, it keeps us safe because we don't have we don't have to be the the brilliant ones we don't have to be awesome it's just the text but the text will do the work of changing people's hearts mm-hmm. uh, i don't really have to defend it i think i remember the the old uh, old image uh, that somebody used that it's like an anvil the mm-hmm. swords of all the skeptics for centuries have been beaten on on the bible and all those swords and stuff are gone yeah. The anvil stands. The other thing, too, I, I think, and I'd love to know what the guys think on this, is um, one of the keys for our audience listening, if you're, if you're trying to understand what is the focus of preaching at the church you go to, is to ask yourself, at every sermon you hear, do you actually, are you going to the Word of God? Is the Bible being explained to you? And at the end of the day, who's the hero? Because if you preach the Bible, then God's always the hero. God is the central figure. There's lots, as you said, it's not, it's not just stories, but it is a book of stories. Mm-hmm. But it's the beauty that the heroes are not human beings. And it's raw. Humans are messy, broken, screw-ups. We make mistakes. We get things wrong. And yet the Bible presents an image of ourselves, an image of God that is beautiful, that is wonderful, that is powerful, and that's the beauty of expositional, exegetical preaching. And I just have found, and it's amazing to me since I've moved back to Newfoundland, that the people that I come in contact with that get a steady diet of this type of preaching are the ones that go, wow, I'm, I finally am understanding my Bible. Wow. I finally have the right view of God. Wow. I understand evil. I might not like it. I might not be able to explain it all, but I understand why. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love it because the Bible doesn't shrink away from the hard stuff of life. 
which of course is, by the way, uh, an important point when it comes to the preaching that we, we do. Since we do actually believe this, when we preach through books of the Bible, you will hear some strange stories from the pulpit because there's strange gnarly stories in the Bible. Yeah, and because you preach it systematically, you're going to deal with everything in there. And by the way, for a book that was written over 2,000 years ago from the latest, you know, book that was written, you, if anybody would actually open up a Bible and read it, you will find, you will read things and go, I see that happening today. I've experienced that myself. It's not some ancient book that that lives in some archaic time that we all of a sudden don't have any parallels for. And that's the problem. I think a lot of people are talking about the Bible. They're talking about God, but they're not actually letting the Bible speak for itself and let God display himself. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the beautiful things, too, about doing the expositional, exegetical, systematic preaching is kind of what you were saying, Steve, about um, well, when you do it that way, you're going to be come across texts that are maybe texts that we often don't like to read or think about or explain. But if you're going through a book and that's the next text up, that's what you're preaching. There's no shying away. There's no, you know, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll go preach a happier text, um, which is sometimes. Well, I mean, I've always grown up in this kind of style of preaching, but I can see the temptation to just say, well, you know, I'm going to preach topically instead so I can preach the nice, fluffy, feel-good messages that, you know, people sometimes maybe want to hear in quotation marks. But Well, I mean, we've talked uh, before about some of the dangers that have happened in Newfoundland, and I, I worry a little that that was one of the reasons that we've kind of had so much uh, of people, fa- uh, quote-unquote, falling away from Christianity over the last 20 years or so mainly because the type of Christianity that they learned from the pulpits that they've been sitting under Mm -hmm. have often been, you know, missing out these difficult things. And then they open their Bibles and they find, oh my goodness, there's this horrible, difficult thing here. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I remember once there was, uh, there's something called the Brick Bible. um, (laughs) And it was actually made by an atheist uh, because he honestly believed that if he just, you know, showed people what was actually in the Bible people would start saying, thinking, oh, my goodness, this is crazy and stupid. and But it's accurate, and so I, I, I kind of like it. But I'm Yeah, it always kills me because I know exactly what you're ta- talking about. I've tried to redeem that website. I've used it to teach kids because uh, it's all done on Legos. But um, I, I just find that fascinating when people tell me that. They want to attack the Bible and say, look at this. Can you believe this is in there? Can you believe that's in there? And, and my response is always quite simple. Have you watched the news lately? Have you read anything on Twitter or Facebook? We live in a screwed up world with 7.9 billion human beings trying to make sense of their existence. And uh, a lot of people I know of are looking for answers. And of all of the quote unquote philosophies, spiritualities, viewpoints of life, whatever it is, The Bible is the only book I have ever read in my entire life. And I can honestly say on this podcast, I have read exhaustively uh, of the different views out there to live life. And the Bible is the only book that is honest about humanity. And again, because the hero is God. Yeah. Yeah. 
though of course that also means then that we have to actually start believing some very negative things about humanity that we don't yeah. we don't have all the answers that no matter if we do give a, uh, you know if we are i mean the thing that uh, the enlightenment tried to say is that if we if we just follow human reason we'll fix everything up and you know I think we've had about two centuries now to find out that that's probably not true. Well, it's interesting with these guys here in their 20s because I can see that in the older generation. I even can see that you and I being accused. Yeah. Oh, you're just old and jaded and cynical and da-da-da-da-da, and you're giving humanity a bad rap. But I find these guys are in their mid-20s, and already they're going like, man, I, how do I make sense of all of this? Because I was fed Disney movies from the moment I was born, and yet how come... In life, it isn't everybody lived happily ever after. And even more importantly, uh, when I see that in the scriptures, I know that that's something that's not being said by the cynical guy standing in the pulpit, or even the young guys who have seen, who've probably been too exposed to social media recently. Hmm. I mean, in each case, the Bible is still speaking to us, which is, again, a good reason why we would focus on preaching the Bible. Yeah, and it's it's quite easy to ignore those passages and to uh, cave to the worldviews that our culture believes in and just reduce the gospel to, you know, a couple platitudes. <laughs> and the, the gospel turns into nothing more than just, you know, you can do it if you put your mind to it in Christian language. And, you know, um, Paul said the message of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. And the gospel is sometimes offensive, especially to people who are perishing. So it it is it is uh we need to be able to be honest about what the gospel says and it doesn't do justice to those who don't know it to present a false gospel. And I think that's a really good word choice and I wanna highlight that. We need to be honest with ourselves. Because, mm. I mean Stevie said like, you know, it, it means accepting some maybe negative views about humanity and i mean you're right but it's also just what's true right <laughs> right it's not like we're we're swapping one true thing for another true thing it's just there there's only one true thing right so are we going to believe mm-hmm. false things or are we going to believe what is and, real and i think even the word offensive we, we have to realize there will be people that will accept and people that will reject i guess for me I, i've always loved the fact that you know and, and dave you're the son of a, a doctor um, I've lived this now because I've had some very close people to me just get diagnosed with cancer recently. And I, I haven't met anyone that isn't shocked when they sit down and the doctor says, you have cancer, it's going to kill you, and we're going to have to do some radical stuff to try and save your life. No one jumps up and down and goes, oh, yippee, thanks for that. It's a shocking thing to be told. Some people go through all kinds of emotions. Some are angry. Some are in denial. Some are emotionally broken. Some are scared. But as that doctor continues to just tell them the truth, shows them the sequence of events that's going to have to happen, shows them the way forward. And I think our role as Christians, because again, we're not better. I was one of the ones perishing and I didn't discover it because I'm smarter. I'm an idiot. God is gracious. I, all I've done is discovered that the Bible tells me about God and God loves me. He created me and he yeah. diagnosed me, told me what was wrong with me. And, and it was shocking. And I didn't like it at first. It was hard to deal with. And yet, as I've trusted him, as I believe in him and his word, it changes 
my life. And I think that's the ultimate power of expositional, exegetical preaching. Yeah, uh, because the hope isn't in us. Right. The hope is in Jesus Christ. And, of course, uh, I I just watched a movie a couple of weeks ago about uh, one of the characters is actually uh, the guy who wrote Animal Farm, uh, Orwell. Yeah. And he says at at one point, the the main character uh, points out to him, the failings of Soviet communism. And because, you know, Orwell was very much into humanism and the desire that humanity could somehow uh, lift itself up, he says, do you mean then there is no hope? Hmm. And the Bible actually has an answer because its hope is not in humanity. That's right. Mm-hmm. So. And I, again, I, you know what? I've lived this out three times with kids and now I have two grandchildren and all five of them, I never had to teach them how to lie. Never had to teach them how to get angry. Never had to teach them how to be selfish. I am constantly trying to teach them how to be loving, how to share, how to uh, not be angry, how to not lash out, how to not be selfish. It's, 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 I, I see it lived out because I'm guilty of it. But that's the one thing I, for our audience, those that would profess Christianity and maybe some that might be listening and going, man, these sounds like four crackpots. Yeah, you know what? Guilty. Because we are, uh, and, and the only smart one in all of this is God and his word, and we trust him. And this is not about a collection of smart people or better people. That's the power and the beauty of the gospel yeah. and the real gospel about being honest. And, and that's why I think a lot of our audience might be tempted to go when they hear churchy language and hear us say these things, or they just think they're better than we do. Because tragically, because there hasn't been expositional exegetical preaching, for too many years in Newfoundland and Labrador, it comes across as a truth, a bunch of rules, do's and don'ts, self-improvement, chicken soup for the soul, versus the radical transformation of a human being by God that has no room for pride or self-righteousness, but abject humility, amazing grace and love that simply says, because God loves me, I love you. And I will patiently walk whatever road God has asked me to walk. Because I again, again, I'm I'm the king of cliches. I've read the back of the book. God wins. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think we've pretty much uh, eaten up our time for today. Uh, I'll just let each of you have a final word on why exegetical preaching, exegetical, expositional preaching. Um, well, as as Steve was just saying, his concluding thoughts, I guess. an analogy came to my mind and I guess it kind of applies to both, but um, just the fact that as Christians, as preachers, as people who are up there trying to illuminate this book, we're just simply beggars who found food trying to show other beggars where to find it. And I think that really just sums it up. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would just add add on top of that, how well, just to reiterate what Steve said about God being the hero and we're not the hero as much as we, Oftentimes, we want to put ourselves in those shoes or in biblical characters. That's us. That's us. Oftentimes, we're actually all the time. We're the scared Israelites who are always rebelling, always going back to false gods, always not trusting God enough, or too scared about foreign nations or things like that. That's that's us, and God is the hero in every one of those circumstances. Amen. And that's why I think we need to preach the Bible faithfully so that we can understand the reality of our humanity and understand that. 
there is a hope, but it's not of us, it's of Christ. And for me, you know, uh, in an age of Marvel and DC Comics, and those are the most popular movies, the Bible, by preaching it properly and uh, reading it properly, not only is God the hero, but he's a, an, a perfect hero. He's unflawed. And then the joy and hope for us in our humanity is that he is so perfect, He's he has given us a plan and displayed himself where he takes imperfect humans like ourselves and still uses us and loves us and heals us and does things and can make sense of life. And I'm thankful because exegetical, expositional preaching has shown that to me over and over again. Yeah. So if I was to understand then what I think expositional, exegetical preaching is, it's essentially saying... I'm not all that wise, but let you t let me tell you what someone who is wise says, and that person is God. Yeah, Amen, Amen. So thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you have a great week. We're uh, praying that you uh, find strength and knowledge in the Bible, and uh, that you find a church that's going to be preaching your uh, preaching the Bible to you. Hmm. Thank you. If you want to know more about My One Mission and our work in Newfoundland please visit us at mile1mission.ca.